And yet the hands of this carpenter who spent 30 years of his life with a man called Joseph learning carpentry had anointed hands to build something that was humanly impossible because he was on assignment with the purposes of God. Build me a dwelling place. And saved us and took the gnarled and twisted areas of our life and began to straighten us up where we thought it would be humanly impossible. He did the impossible with our life and straightened us up. And everyone looked and said, I never thought it could happen. And it couldn't happen without his involvement and the touch of his hand. He's come to build a dwelling place. That's what joy unspeakable, to straighten our self-centeredness up and our history of the past that we were abused or incest or molested or adultery or or fornication or or, or abortions, whatever, or just angry or self-centered or self-righteous, whatever bent us in the shape that it did not look like him, but it looked like iniquity. See, we look at a newborn baby, and we say, isn't it sweet? No, it's not. It is formed in iniquity while it is still in its mother's womb. Iniquity means that it has the nature to bend against the will of God and to bend against the purposes of God. That's why a baby's first word is no. You didn't teach him to say no. But the first word out of their mouth is to give us the revelation Iniquity. Because it's not in our nature. Come on, church. It's not in our nature to choose God. It's not in our nature to do the will of God. It's not in our nature to bend towards the purposes of God. It's not in our nature to be kind. It's not in our nature to always prefer someone over ourselves. We're bent. And when Jesus uncovered himself, he said, listen, you were formed in iniquity. That thing is bent by the curse of Adam to always choose what you want over what God wants. But I've come to put my hands on it and straighten it out. Save you by the power of my grace. And nobody else can take that and straighten it out but me. Nobody can do it but the blood. Nobody can do it but the Savior. Nobody can do it except the one who has come to establish covenant. And you know what? That shittim wood was covered with gold. Because that's the deity of God. I've come to straighten you out and where you were bent. When I saved you, I'm giving you another nature. Where now you have the choice to bend or straighten up towards God. Bend or straighten up towards God. Make a choice to bend or straighten up to God. 
See, God never asks you to do something that he doesn't put the investment inside of you that has the ability to make you choose him over iniquity. Then I'm going to put a mercy lid there. Because on this journey, you're going to need mercy. And I'm going to put the Ark of the Covenant there, and I'm going to put the mercy lid. I'm going to put the tablet of stone in there, and I'm going to put the pot of manna, and I'm going to put Aaron's rod. Because I want you to know that on this journey, I'm going to give you authority over principalities, powers, and rulers. But I'm also going to teach you how to submit and bow to my authority because I want you to have joy unspeakable. I'm going to put the tablet of stone in there so you can read the Bible. You can cleave to the promises and know that no good thing will I withhold from you. If you need finances, I'm going to be there. If you need help, I'm going to be there. If you need quietness of mind, I'm going to be there. If you need wisdom to raise your children, I'm going to be there. But also, I want that word to so rule over you that you can honestly say this. Because God dwells in me, I shall not have any other God before me. Because God dwells in me, I shall not commit adultery. Because God dwells in me, I will not have any other thing that will demand more attention than God. Because God dwells in me, I will not bear false witnesses because God dwells in me. See, the law is not for legalism. The law is to put boundaries in your life so that you have order. Little children think that rules and regulations limit them. They do not understand it protects them. Because God dwells in me. I can't do certain things just because he lives in me. And I long for the day, Lord, when I just don't do them because you live in me. I don't do them because I have lost my life enough. I don't want to do them. Because you dwell in me. The cherubims were there. One on one end and one on the other and their wings touched. And they bowed down. When Jesus rose from the dead and Mary stayed to linger, this is Mary that brought the alabaster box and broke it at his feet. 
because she lingered there and the angel's wings were there. She looked inside the tomb and he was gone and his head clothes were folded and his body clothes were folded, but there was two angels, one at the head and one at the feet because God wanted them to understand wherever you see angels bowing down to each other, it speaks of covenant. They're no longer on the shit and box. They're on the incredible body of Jesus Christ. And now they have been transferred to the body of Christ. That's you and I. See, this thing really is real. It's not a church thing. It's real. He lives inside of us for one reason, to live to move, and to have his being. Now, I don't know of any time that Jesus wasn't full of joy. As we close tonight, could you just look at the Passover? But what instituted it was that it broke the curse of death. Every Egyptian marked the outdoor of his per house with the blood. But it took more than that. The lamb had to come in where he lived. And they ate of the lamb and had the marking of the blood of the lamb. And when the death angel came, it passed them by. That's why it's called the Passover. So hell has death sentences right now against the church and against individuals and death sentences against marriages and death sentences against children and death sentences even against churches and leaders and death sentences are there. And you cannot break a death sentence without Passover. They took him, but not really. He went willingly because he knew this. It's the final moment of me losing my life. That real life could come. They plucked his beard. Challenged by hell, are you really mature enough to lay down your life? But when they plucked his beard to challenge him on his maturity, he said, go on and do it. Because when you pluck it, the blood will seep from the, from the vessels of my chin. And it will abide and it will provide maturity in my body. Because where the blood is, it brings life. Come on, church, there's no excuse why you and I can't love him enough to grow up. They put the stripes on his back, and the Bible said that by his stripes we are healed. But listen, it's not only a physical healing, it's an emotional healing, like a Barbara Benton that was abused. Because abuse cannot cut deep enough to keep the blood away. 
And we're living in an abused generation where children and wives and even sometimes husbands are abused. And sons and daughters. They put the crown on his head and pressed it down hard enough to bring the blood. Because you've got to understand, had it not brought blood, it could not bring life. And while the blood came down his face with that thorn pressed into him, he understood there is a generation that I'm dying for that will have mental illness, confused minds, in turmoil, trying to break loose from something. But if the blood is there, the provision is there. I'm trying to tell you that he has redeemed us, body, soul, and spirit. Everything they did to him, he said, do it hard enough and vicious enough that the blood will apply. Because when my father sees the blood, it breaks the death sentence. They pierced his side. The Bible said that water and blood came out of the side because when a woman goes into labor, her water will break and water and blood will be there. Because he said, listen, mingle the water with the blood because I'm going to my father, sit at the right hand of, this, of my father, and I will birth my church. Come on. They nailed his hands because there's a generation that touches things because they're bent towards iniquity. And I can come and cleanse their hands and make them holy hands. And they can ascend to the hill of God. And they don't ever have to touch that again. It never has to be a part of their life again because where the blood is, it breaks the death sentence and brings life. They took the nails in his feet and did the same thing because he said, my father's creation, mankind, will walk in rebellion, in stubbornness, in sin, in anger, in disappointment, in rejection, in all kinds of things. But if you can just get the blood on my feet, I can break the death curse. And they can walk different. And they can walk in righteousness. But more than that, they can walk in joy. Unspeakable. Church, he took away every excuse for us to give in to sin. You know what the Bible says? The wages of sin. It's death. That's not for an unbeliever. Go back and read it. It's for the church. He's not talking about an unbeliever. He's talking about if you keep sinning, it's bringing death. What's it doing? Killing out your joy that's brought about by the presence of God. God wants to set us free tonight. God wants us to come down off the mountain and go out to those that are oppressed and tell them, here's the good news. The death sentence has been broken. 
And there's joy unspeakable. But you know what I found out? It's hard for me to tell people about joy when I need it for myself. Because you can only give away what you have. And Jesus told them, tell nobody who I am. And they came down. And he ministered. But he fulfilled his purpose. Joy unspeakable. Press down. Full of grace. The question tonight as we close this service and we go our different ways. Is who am I going to let him be to me? Because only what I let him be to me. Can I let him be to others? You can never, ever convince me that he's not a savior. Never. I don't care what you do to me. I don't care how you hate me, vote against me, disapprove, persecute me. I know. He's my Savior. You can never convince me that he's not the baptizer of the Holy Ghost. I don't care how I was raised up. I don't care how the seminary taught me. I don't care how the professor's exegesis that he came to me in a real experience and baptized me in the Holy Ghost and tied me to heaven in such an incredible way that when I open the Bible, the very breath of the Holy Ghost breathes upon the word and it's alive. You cannot convince me that he is not the deliverer for he's come and delivered me over and over and over and over and over and over again. His grace is sufficient. You can never convince me that he cannot break strongholds, that where the anointing of the Lord is, there is liberty. You cannot make me believe that he cannot address hell and cause hell to bow at his very name and very word and cut off assignments and liberate and set free and set children free and set grandchildren free and lift them up even from the spirit of death. You can never convince me. I've already seen enough that you can never make me turn back. And my question to us as we close this session, the very heartbeat that's inside of me in this last moment, is who is he to you that when the pressure comes, you refuse to compromise because you know that you know that his name is Christo, the son of a living God. Because that's very important to us tonight. I'm just ruined. <laughs> I am at the place <laughs> where I can't turn back. There's nothing there. I want to read this and then I'm going to ask you to respond to God. 
A basketball in my hand is worth only $19. But a basketball in Michael Jordan's hand is worth $133 million. It just depends on whose hand it's in. A baseball in my hand is worth about $10, but a baseball in Mark McGuire's hand is worth over $49 million. It just depends on whose hand it's in. A tennis racket is useless in my hand, but a tennis racket in Venus Williams' hand is a championship winner. It just depends on whose hand it's in. A rod in my hand will keep away a wild animals, but a rod in Moses' hand parted the mighty Red Sea. It just depends on whose hand it's in. A slingshot in my hand is nothing more than a kid's toy, but a slingshot in David's hand was a mighty weapon. It just depends on whose hand it's in. Two fishes and five loaves of bread in my hand is a couple of fish sandwiches. But two fishes and five loaves in Jesus' hand fed multitudes and thousands. It just depends on whose hand it's in. Nails in my hand may produce a birdhouse, but nails in Jesus Christ's hand will produce salvation for the entire world. It just depends on whose hands it's in. And now my heart cries out. When everything settles, whose hands will I be found in? Do I love you enough to put my concerns, my worries, my fears, my weaknesses, my hopes, my dreams, my family, my relationship? my ministry, my joy in your hands because joy unspeakable depends on whose hands I'm in. I just have to be in God's hands. It's a place of safety, but it's also a place of empowerment, and it's a place where peace of mind and joy unspeakable comes. Could you just lift your hands just for a moment? Father, we're lifting our hands not because we're Pentecostal. We're not lifting our hands because this is what tongue-talking people do. We're lifting our hands acknowledging that we desperately need to touch heaven. And when we touch heaven, heaven will touch us. And it will bring joy unspeakable. And so, Father, you know where we are. You know what's robbing our peace, what's stressing us out, what's bringing confusion, what brings weakness, what is a stronghold that says it will never change. 
And so as we lift our hands towards you, we do it in faith and confidence, God, that we, because we are born again of the Spirit of the Lord, can touch heaven and heaven can touch us. We thank you for that tonight, God. Father, I pray for people tonight that do not speak in tongues. They have not had the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I pray tonight that they will realize you are not pressing into us to have some kind of experience, God. You are pressing into us because the book of Jude says that those that pray in the Holy Ghost will build up their most holy faith. And it will keep them in the love and the mercy of God that will lead them into eternal life. God, we need your life. We need your love. We need your mercy. We need holy faith. And so, Father, I pray that if there are those sitting in this pew that have not received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, that they will not look at it as a Pentecostal experience or what, uh, what Church of God people do or Assembly of God people do. But, God, they will look at it tonight as a gift from heaven, Lord, that literally will empower them, God, to have joy unspeakable that comes from you. And I ask you to stir their heart, to break traditional thinking off of their mind, to let them see biblical principles, to cry out for the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues, Father. I pray for that energizing to your church, Lord. God, you energize the 120 because you knew they would need it, God, for the persecution and the misunderstanding and the birthing. And God, God, we need the Holy Ghost, the very breath of heaven to breathe on us. And so, Father, we ask for that gift tonight. If we have had it in the past and it is laying dormant, would you stir it up, oh God? Would you let it flow like a river? Would you loose our tongue fresh and anew with a heavenly language, oh God? I ask right now in the name of Jesus that you begin to baptize people in the power of the Holy Spirit right now, God, with the evidence of speaking in tongues, God. Loose them, let faith rise up in them, oh God, and give them a heavenly language. God, that will glorify you and strengthen you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Can you lay hands on someone next to you and begin to pray in the Spirit? Receive ye the Holy Spirit. Receive the breath of heaven. Lebaramando 
Breath of heaven, come to us. Breathe on the church again. Breath of heaven, breathe on the church again. Breath of heaven, come with the fire of God. Let the fire of God breathe on us tonight. Breathe on our sons and daughters. Let our sons and daughters have the breath of heaven. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we put our hands over our heart. And we say, Lord, any physical infirmities, anything in our body that weakens us, would you come tonight and send your word and heal us, O oh God, and strengthen us, O oh Lord? Would you do the miraculous, God? Would you do what the stronghold says cannot be done? Would you break it, God? Would you cause us to know that you can transform us even in the physical tonight, Father? In the name of Jesus, God, I ask for physical strength to come to the body of Christ, Lord, that you will equip us with divine health in Jesus' name. Father, let divine health return to your church again. Would you give us health? to rise up, O oh God, and finish this thing, Lord, with health and with strength. Would you speak to our minds? Would you speak to our emotions? Would you speak to our physical bodies? I declare he's a divine health, and he is the uplifter of our head in Jesus' name. Let divine health come, Lord, in the mighty name of Jesus. Break infirmities. Break all kinds of assignments, Lord. Whether it is mental, whether it is emotional, whether it is physical, Lord. We declare where the blood is. We break that death sentence right now. And we speak life abundantly. Let your health come, Lord. Let your health come. Lord, let your wisdom come. Lord, we lay hands on our mind. Let your wisdom come. Give us wisdom as believers. Give us wisdom as wives. Give us wisdom as mothers. Give us wisdom as grandmothers. Give us wisdom as ministers, Lord. Give us wisdom as believers, God. God, I thank you tonight for the wisdom of the Lord that's being imparted to our mind. Let the mind of Christ be in us. And we thank you and we praise you, Lord. We praise you. Lord, we mark our children in Jesus' name. We mark what's even in the womb, Lord, in Jesus' name. We declare that even though they are born in iniquity, God, the blood has come to straighten it out, God, and cause them to be born again to make God choices. And we thank you, Lord, 
that we can mark our children. And Father, we mark them and we declare that the enemy cannot have them. The enemy cannot prevail. The enemy cannot have the final word. We call forth prodigal sons, come home. We call forth prodigal daughters, come home. We call forth prodigal grandsons, come home. We call prodigal granddaughters, come home. God, we thank you. Let them come home. God, let the power of the Holy Spirit begin to draw them and arrest them and pull them and convict them. Come home in Jesus' name. Lord, we thank you. We praise 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 you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We praise you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Could you just thank him? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Could you just open your mouth and tell him, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I may not see it, but I believe it. Thank you, Lord. Faith is not ruled by what it sees, but what it knows. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We don't look at the outside, God. We look eternally, Father. Thank you, Lord. 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 For I would come this night by my power indeed. And I would say, who is like unto me? For there is none greater than I, you see. For I am the Lord God, Jehovah, indeed. For the hour has come when I will raise my voice like a trumpet indeed. And I will declare to all gods, there is none but me. I will bring down strongholds and set my people free. For who is like unto me? For I call this night, oh, who will ascend and come to the holy hill and bow before me? For I call a people to cleanse their hearts indeed and cleanse their hands and come unto me. I speak a word over my people indeed. Nothing is impossible with me. For I tell you, I long to be who you need for me to be indeed. If you will look up and call on my name, you will be free. For whom the Son sets free is free indeed. O oh, people, hear my voice and come unto me, all of you that are heavy laden indeed. If you will come, I will cast the load off of thee. You will be able to be renewed in your strength and know indeed that God longs and cares for thee. Who will ascend into my presence indeed? Who will come and bow their knee? For the Lord God Almighty is beckoning to thee. I long for you to come and see who I am, you see. For the revelation is now, saith the Lord indeed, that you will know that I am strong and I am mighty, you see, to the tearing down of every stronghold indeed. For there is no other rock like my rock, you see. For upon this rock, the gates of hell cannot prevail, you see. 
for I long to breathe the breath of heaven over thee that you might have revelation of who I am indeed, that you may be made complete in your God, you see. I call this night. I do not care where you are, you see. I only care where I can bring you indeed. For if you will come with everything that encompasses thee, I will break it off of you and set you free. For I call this night, there is no other God but me. Oh, who will respond and be set free? Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah. I believe right now that God has given us an invitation to respond to him. You can respond in your pew. You can respond by coming down. But me personally, I believe when God gives that kind of invitation, I have to move from where I am and get where he is. So if that's your cry, you come on down. And when we're through with this, we'll pray over you or we'll minister to you. If you don't have the baptism of the Holy Spirit, don't leave without it. If you need to go, you be blessed in Jesus' name. But listen, we're on God's